so much is going on, Matt, in the news. It's unbelievable. Can uh, we do uh, national, mm, international, or interstellar? What, what, what's your choice? This reminds me of the, uh, I don't know if they still do it on a question of sport, when you can go home or away. <laughs> I don't think they do question of sport. Don't they don't, they, they've given up question no, of sport. Wasn't Sue, Sue Barker? Barker. For a while. Um, I don't know. It's gone. Everything's gone. They're not, they don't even do Mock the Week. They don't make TV shows anymore. <laughs> no, it's all changed. No! Uh, well, yeah, I've, I've definitely followed the alien thing. Um, oh, have you? I, I got a little bit annoyed about it, though, about an hour ago, and then I thought, ah, yeah, this, this is not going to lead to anything direct, is it? Not yet, so anyway. Was, uh... For anybody that hasn't been following it, there was a congressional hearing on UFOs or UAPs, as they're now known. I don't know, is that because UFOs are too offensive? <laughs> they had to come up with a better term. So the uh, congressional hearing was two hours. Pretty official thing, like AOC was there. Yeah. The big yeah, deal. she asked uh, she asked questions, didn't she? Um, what should I what should we be looking for? <laughs> um <laughs> Well, everything was like, so they had these three, what were they, like uh, military, one was an ex-pilot or something, Mm -hmm. three military guys, veterans, and they were quizzed by some Congress people, Uh, but they just kept saying, I can't tell you anything publicly, we'll have to go, come around the corner and I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah, to go into a skiff session, I think it's called, uh, sensitive, compartmentalised information so we got to hear all the, the interesting questions, but none, none of the answers. Yeah. So, I mean, when push comes to shove, he said, I know where the aliens are buried. Um, did, he, did he actually say bodies? He, he said well, cracks. Does it really matter? I think the thing is, does it really matter? Um, I think there is a distinction. And he was one of the other distinctions I saw that he drew was um, between extraterrestrial and non-human because there's a there's other theories that that these beings could not come from space but actually could come from either the hollow earth um or interdimensionally did you say the hollow earth have you ever come across hollow earth yes yes i have come across hollow earth uh i've never only only like weird youtube adverts that i get four in the morning but um, I, telling me to watch some video. I've never heard anybody in the real world say it. So I'm, I'm <laughs> well, this isn't the real world. We're on the media. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I mean, I know you. I've seen you in real life. This is just surprising um, me. I thought I was the only one getting those adverts. Yeah, I, the Hollow Earth theory. Um, extra. Do- I mean, it but, doesn't but really let's matter. Let's not get distracted because th- this is essentially what it comes down to. It doesn't really matter whether they are non-human, extraterrestrial. Uh, where they come from, whether there's dead bodies, whether there's live bodies, whether there's um, craft or what, or just met or just metals, or whatever it is. The point is, where are they? Right. So it's not just someone saying something that they've heard, which has happened almost every year for the past seventy-five years. So what you need to know is where are these things, and who has the authority. And that that guy, um, the intelligence officer guy, says that he will give them the the where the thing where the stuff yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. So the if they say okay, right now we know that. Let's go. We're going to take a little t- troop of people. I know, I know where they were anyway. They were in Tower Seven. Where's Tower Seven? 
Tower Seven, the the, uh, the third tower, mysteriously. Oh. <laughs> World Trade Center Tower Seven. Yeah, everything was yeah. in Tower Seven. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, so but the other thing is, it could be us. It could be human time travel. I quite like the time travel theory that they're actually uh, people from some advanced yeah. uh, human uh, civilization coming back. And the reason that so many have come back recently, there's been so many sightings, is this is a really popular time for people in the future to visit because of the pandemic. It's like plague, like people go back and they, and climate change. Like in the future, they get told. So basically mankind had it all. They had a paradise, they had unlimited yeah. food. Everything was great and they blew it up. And people are like, no, they didn't. They weren't that stupid. Mm. Like, there they were. Let's go back in time and you can watch them. You can, in real time, you can watch the idiots. And so they're all in these, uh, and it makes sense, right, from how they were explaining it. They're, a lot of these military, they're like uh, military uh, pilots and they're just on these missions or practicing whatever. And they see these crafts and they're just sort of hovering there watching them. And I imagine they're just full of like really bored families on vacations in the future. <laughs> like um time travel tourism and they just thought that they'd come down though to see the things happening or to and also if they're going to come to a point around about now and they wanted to have a good time they'd have gone to the 90s do you think so Britpop, but fantasy football with david Badil and frank skinner <laughs> Badil and skinner doing fantasy football that's when they'd have gone to if they know which way, which side their bread was buttered. I don't know. I, I, the, the more we get away from the 90s, the more I have um, critical distance. I feel like it was pretty terrible time, particularly for music. Um, yeah, I went to go and see Blur at Wembley the other day. It was actually very good. Um, I didn't... Well, that depresses me. Blur have got a new album out. It's yeah. like, jeez, uh, have you listened to the album? Is it any good? I can't bring myself. Not listened to it yet. I think, it's, is it out? Uh, is that literally out this week, wasn't it? Um, and I haven't bought it. I'm not a massive Blur fan, but um, someone had a ticket. Uh, but I, I might get the album. Was it good? Was it a good uh, gig? Yeah, it got amazing reviews as well um, across the across the press, like as if Blur are a thing. I didn't think the blur were really a thing anymore. Everything's got a thing and again. Mm. You can any, anything that's happened because the whole thing, the whole it's the whole thing with the, the movie industry is that you can't make a an original story. You have to already have a core audience. So you can make anything like Barbie, for example, can be a movie simply because it, it was once a thing that people bought and know about. So if you've got name recognition, you can do something. And Blur was once a thing and therefore it can be a thing again. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a that sounds like a good principle of marketing. You've got to have got somewhere before you can get anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is, um, yeah, it's sad. It's uh, sad times. Um, like Oppenheimer as well. He, he was a thing. <laughs> He was definitely a thing. And no one knew who the hell Oppenheimer was until about three weeks ago. And now everyone knows. Yeah, but they knew about the bomb. I think everyone knew about the bomb. But um, I think the name recognition of Oppenheimer, I think, has probably gone from, I don't know, 2% to 90% overnight because of movies. Because of a movie. seen it? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, I saw Oppenheimer. Yeah. Uh, I saw. I did. I did the uh, Barbie Oppenheimer weekend. Um, oh right, yeah, yeah. Which was better? They're very different films. Uh, <laughs> are, they, are either of them good at all? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like them both. Um, yeah, I mean, Oppenheimer's 
yeah, it was it was it was great. Um, not really quite sure what to say about it. It was. Uh, What's the story? Because I mean, we, well, all, we just invented the bomb. That's known. Yeah. Well, I, I was at a comedy night last night actually, and my friend Keen described it, summed it up rather sort of bleakly, saying it's about it's a story of a man who uh, decided to make a bomb, knew that it was going to kill loads of people. And then it killed loads of people, and then he felt sad about it, <laughs> which actually isn't that far off the truth. Um, it's basically- all right. So they make the, he like he completes the in the middle, and then the, the latter half of the film is him feeling sad. Yeah, but but it was Oppenheimer as a person was fairly pro the bomb. What he did, I think. What I think the ambiguity lay in that what Oppenheimer wanted was for it not to lead to a massive fuck-off great arms race. Um, he did agree with dropping the bomb on Hiroshima. I didn't realise that he also agreed with the dropping the bomb on Nagasaki. Um, wow. But then after that, that... He was, was a like, bit of a lefty at the same time. To... Sorry? He was a bit of a lefty at the same time. And I, yeah. I thought he was like scaremongered. I mean, as classically the case in these sort of situations, they just assumed that the Germans were working on a bomb. The Germans gave up, right? And, and went on to the V2 rockets or whatever. Yeah. So, but they just assumed that secretly Germany was working on a bomb, so they had to work on a bomb. Yeah, I, I think I think the Nazis were working on a bomb. I'm not quite. I don't think they ever abandoned that program, but I think they, I think you're right that they did prioritize the V2 rocket. And there was yeah, obviously there was just a fear, and and so yeah. any sort kind of uh, worries that they might have had in the US, like no, 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 there's no time. We, we've got to invent this very quickly because yeah. the Germans can invent it any moment. Yeah, I mean, you can see how Oppenheimer got into that position. I think if I if I had that kind of knowledge, I probably would in that time and space, the early 19, uh, early nineteen forties. I think I'd have probably done the same thing, but I think it would have been a mistake. And then and then so the films about him sort of having these ambiguous, ambivalent feelings towards what he's doing and has done, and that makes it really quite good. Like there, there's a moment when they drop the bomb on Hiroshima. Um, and uh, I, I think I've seen Oppenheimer talk about it. Um, I bought the book just before I went to the um, uh, went to the cinema, uh, American Prome- uh, Prometheus, uh, and had a look through that because I wanted to see uh, if the book would be if the film would be faithful to the book and also how radical the book was. Whether it would talk about um, the necessity to bomb Hiroshima, for example, um, because from what I can see all the contemporary historiography on Hiroshima says didn't have to do it anyway. The Japanese had already surrendered. And actually the film and the book both make that clear. And I think, I think it was really good film for, um, for many reasons, but politically I thought it was great that they, they definitely, it's not that they didn't shy away from that. They completely embraced it. They had all the scientists um, at the base who had just um, test tested the bomb um, but they've, they've tested it just after Hitler's shot himself, and they're and about three quarters of them are just like, um, do, do we need to be doing this anymore? Yeah, that um, was, that wasn't made clear in the uh, the fourth Indiana Jones movie where he was blown up in a fridge. I thought they could maybe <laughs> no. combine the two. Just no. just had like behind Oppenheimer, like just a fridge kind of flying off into the distance because <laughs> it's all in the same universe. How many times do you get to see the explosion because the thing about um Christopher Nolan is that it's all about these big set pieces and I was thinking in this film there's only one set piece which is the 
the testing of the atom bomb, or do or do you do you get to see it? Uh, I think Japan. there's just I think there's just the te uh, testing of the atom bomb is the main explosion that you see. And you just, they um, just do they that do again use... and again. Yeah, <laughs> just, the, it, it's actually a, it's a it's a brilliantly done scene. Um, Have you I, seen? I, I, the... I feel like I'll ruin it a little bit if I talk talk about. Well, it. All, all, yeah, all of the promo stuff before it was about how they filmed that and made yeah. this an amazing thing. Have you seen the final season of Twin Peaks? Do you know, I, I didn't. I, I have seen all of the original one, um, although it was when I was very young and it was on a watch Twin Peaks all night <laughs> session at university. Wow, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if I remember it terribly well, but yeah. I, well, there's I, an but... incredible um, recreation of the, um, the initial atom bomb test in the desert in the US. Oh wow! The way that it's like you know David Lynch films it—it's it's really incredible. Right? Oh, okay. Oh, maybe I should see that. Uh, um, but it is—it's like sort of twenty-five episodes, and most of it is, I'd say, unwatchable. But there were moments oh, really? that are just really scary and really interesting. But yeah, maybe it's I mean, worth. Having, just... I, I bet someone will have done on YouTube. Someone will have done a summary of the new Twin Peaks. So that yeah, I think I think you could you could do you could probably edit it down to like five incredible episodes. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, so I, I mean, I, I think it was really great movie. Oppenheimer, uh, Killian Murphy was great. All the um... <laughs> all right, all right, that's enough. There's never a review of Oppenheimer. Let's move. Oh. Let's move on to something else. Okay. <laughs> um, did you know there's a new political party in the UK? No, who's that? <laughs> They're not doing a good job of promoting themselves. <laughs> it's called the Transform Party. What do they do? Uh, do you know Breakthrough? Breakthrough, no. Okay, so um, after Starmer was elected leader in 2020, uh, some younger members of the Labour Party uh, broke off, I suppose, and started a new party called Breakthrough, which had um, a little bit of um, sort of hype around it, whatever, it was a little bit of interest, uh, but it didn't do particularly well. What, the main thing was that a few disenchanted Labour councillors moved over to it. Uh, and that was sort of exciting, I guess, at the time. Although we were in the middle of a pandemic, so it wasn't that exciting. Uh, but then they sort of went to ground a bit, but they've re-emerged with a broader coalition. And it's not entirely clear if, if they are a party or whether they're just calling for a new party. Mm. But there's a coalition of groups, including um, what are they, the, the old Ken Loach thing, United Left or Left Unite, um, and um, probably more interestingly, the independent Liverpool councillors. So a bunch of Liverpool councillors uh, have broken away from the Labour Party and gone independent. In fact, increasingly, it looks like the whole of Liverpool could uh, rebel. Uh, oh, wow. It'd be, it'd be interesting if this group, um, I mean, they're, they're, they're councillors, but they're organising to be a kind of political group on their own, will put forward candidates for their MPs. And then you could have uh, independent uh, Liverpool councillors. Um, Heather was telling me there's four seats in Liverpool, and they could all very well, uh, you know, the the political um, leanings of of Liverpool means that they could all uh, possibly go against Labour, and you could have four independent. Um, so you could, so there's that. There's also obviously Jeremy Corbyn in uh, London and Diane Abbott in London. There's um, independent movements moving in um, Tower Hamlets, Newham, 
Bristol obviously is uh, a Labour stronghold, but it became a really, really big Labour stronghold through uh, through Corbyn and the emergence of momentum. With that gone, uh, they've got an extremely unpopular Labour MP there, even though it's a Labour stronghold and it's got a massive majority. The Greens swept the board in the local elections there in the council. So if they were to put, which they will, uh, someone to be an MP in, in um, put someone forward in Bristol, that could go to the Greens. But the idea is that it's also what's happened in the Northeast with uh, Driscoll, who uh, was going to be this new Metro mayor thing that they're having there. He was the Labour favourite. Uh, he was likely to win, but Labour blocked him. So now he's running as an independent. He's uh, still likely to win. So Labour are going to lose seats left, right and centre in some sort of way. And I guess the idea of transform is to try and bring all of these independent movements together so that you have a stronger voice in Parliament. Uh, would you like to watch their video? Yeah, I'd really like to know more about them. I know nothing about uh, about them. and that Well, the video won't, won't tell you anything, but you could watch it anyway. This is an era of crisis. Climate change, the cost of living, the erosion of democracy, and the spread of war. While the Tories have fueled these crises, the Labour Party is failing to provide an alternative. The right has regained control of Labour. Jeremy Corbyn and his politics that inspired millions across our society have been cast out. Labour now opposes strikes for fair pay, rejects public ownership, refuses to defend refugees, and has abandoned plans to scrap tuition fees. Those who support left-wing politics are being denied a political voice. We need a new political party that offers a real solution. One that challenges the system at the root of every crisis we face. It's longer than I remember. I didn't realise it goes on for a while. I just want to go back to this bit before we forget about it. Uh, do you know who this guy is? No, not Rupert Murdoch. Uh, where is it? Can we get to it? This, who's this guy? I don't know who that guy is. Um, he's like a know. guy. He's like a guy in a kind of NASA. Oh, it's Jeff. Oh, it's Jeff Bezos. All oh, right, he's just he's wearing this cowboy hat. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was some Texan oil guy. We can't rely on our current crop of politicians to do this. We need to do it ourselves. Political parties, organisations, and individuals from across the movement have united to take the next step founding a new party of the left to provide a real alternative to our broken political system. The question is, are you with us? Yes, I'm with that. That sounds oh, great. Right. You, well, you have to join up then. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Does that mean <laughs> I have to leave the Green Party? Are you in the Green Party now? I think so. I think I, think I signed <laughs> up a couple of years ago. A couple of years ago? What, wait, what year? As soon as I left when Jeremy... Oh, okay. Yeah. That's that's fine. That's allowed, I suppose. But you're, you're quick. Yeah. Yeah. You like that with relationships. <laughs> <laughs> well, rebound. it was very much a rebound. I, I was just like, I'm, yeah, I'm sick of all these losers. So I'm going to join the Greens. No, I've had a steady relationship with them. They haven't even... They haven't even 
contacted me, I don't think. I wonder if I've let, maybe I've let that lapse somewhere. That's probably <laughs> like, the key. I don't actually remember getting any literature from them at all. But I'm sure. Yeah, that well, that's good. I mean, I think that's the key to it, really, is if someone signs up, just just leave them alone. And yeah, well, yeah, I've forgotten about my direct debit, and that's the way they like it. <laughs> so anyway, transform your on board. Well, I think so. That looks good to me. Um, but so, what? You, how? Uh, how promising do you think that is uh, in terms of reigniting the kind of Corbynite spirit? Because it sounds to me like you're saying that there's a possibility that they might get four seats in Liverpool, and the Green Party might get one in Bristol or something. Well, like, really that's like- a pretty big step down from being on the brink of government <laughs> in 2019. Yeah, not, yes, it's not grounds thing, for a great it? deal of optimism. The the apps, well, the absolutely most optimistic scenario is that they may be in a coalition. They wouldn't be in a coalition. Maybe the Greens would be in a coalition, or at least be kingmakers of some sort in a very tightly run election. Which uh, yes, yeah. seems very exciting on the one hand, but when you compare it to actually being in government. Uh, a few years ago yeah, and also yeah. everyone says that the liberal democrats are kingmakers but they they haven't had any effect on policy since about 2011 well that's the other thing the, the, and even the then it was only democrats, like three policies the liberal democrats will be back as they fucking always are um you know at the end of any election the liberal democrats get absolutely destroyed but the last scene is like it's like <laughs> ming it's like the Liberal Democrats <laughs> like like picking up the ring. We'll be back. <laughs> and they are always back because people have short memories. And now everybody hates the Labour Party and the Tories again. And so they're like, oh, who are these Liberal Democrats? They're very interesting. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think there's there's total despair with the with major the major parties that will help the left or any sort of new left parties and the Green Party in some regards. I think the Green Party, the, the big difference is the Green Party are being taken more seriously now, partly because I think they didn't have the confidence before to really go left because right. nobody thought there was a there was much of a left wing base. People didn't think young people would vote. And what what I, who knows what the legacy of Corbyn will be? It may well be mm. a really radical Green Party in about 10 years. That's that's Which is a really too late to save the planet, but whatever you know, it'll be exciting. That's we'll a really interesting point, though. Looking at the the medium term or long term impact of of Corbynism, it may have shifted the Overton window in that sense. Not necessarily for the for the mainstream political debate overall anymore, but f- at least the, if, if you can have an Overton window that changes for a particular set of society or a particular party, it could be that it radicalizes the Green Party. It might be that the left learns the lessons as well of not being smeared into um, into um, capitulation as well. Yes. Um, well, so it the, might the be that party... when the left does come back, which, like you say, might be too late to fix a great deal, but when it does come back through the Green Party and others, it might come back really knowing its onions. Yeah, the main thing is just try to not pay your internet bills for the next ten years, and then you'll be you'll be all right when the when the Green Party finally get in. Oh, they'll uh, they'll we'll have free broadband for all. Yeah, uh, as the world collapses, you can watch it in uh in five G. But the yeah. the yeah the Green Party, um. Yeah, they've they've been pretty strong, actually, so far. They haven't had too much kickback about the anti-Semitism stuff, but there have been some attacks on them because a lot of the people have entered the Green Party. 
you know, it's that whole entryist thing. These who are these weirdos that are joining mm. the Green Party now, and uh, there are a lot of them are ex-Labour members. So there has been some attacks on them as, as the, the, some sort of anti-Semitism, but they've been pretty good. But we'll see. Obviously, they haven't had the full force of uh, the media, which they will if if they start to look like they're going to win even a few seats. If they look like they're any sort of force in an electoral situation, that happened. But yes, the, the fucking problem is the Lib Dems. The Lib Dems will win a lot of seats in the next election, or will at least not maybe not be the well they'll, they'll be partly the kingmakers for the whole thing but they will certainly in in some constituencies they will be the key to um yeah to who wins that to whether yeah the, the tories get a, 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 a like a massive majority or in another seat whether the labor does it's fucking yeah i don't know if there's anything like you know we talk about like america's like oh it's so sad so terrible having a two-party system a three-party system is worse it's the worst thing you can have so what? Uh, so we've got American elections coming up um, in twenty twenty four. So that's uh, we're still a year away from from that. Although it's all going to be build up to that, isn't it? From sort of Christmas. Well, it never ends year. now. Yeah, the elections and never then, end. And then in the UK, it's going to be what is it? January twenty twenty five. It's um, like everything now. It's like football. You know, you used to have the football season, and then you had the cricket season. But now football just never ends. Elections never end. Marvel movies never end. It just mm. goes every every month. You get a new Marvel film, more election news, more football, and you just have and you have to try and keep up with all of it. Uh, yeah. So the American election is um, the main thing about that is, of course, Trump. They're going to try and have Trump on trial during the election. Yeah. That, so it is actually going to be quite interesting, at least. It's going. Yeah. Which I mean, I think. Um. I, d- I don't want Trump to be the president of the USA, but I want him to be beaten by political argument and people pop like a vote in the country against him, not him being locked away so that mm. he can't. I mean, that's just not going to work because it's exactly what he says. He says they're trying to stop me being president. And yes, they are. They are trying to stop him being president. He's right. It's... What else is going on? Oh, yeah. So, um, uh climate change is back <laughs> talk about things that never go away climate change is back uh we didn't do anything since last summer and it's returned surprisingly uh mm-hmm. with a vengeance um and yeah i don't think anything it's just, it's, it's, it's the problem is that there is no solutions to any of this so the, the stories kind of bubble to the surface mm-hmm. uh and off, off, off you know of course in the summer in europe and in the u.s and everybody's talking about climate change again. Forget about it in the autumn. Then you have the extreme winter. Forget about it in the spring. And then it comes back. But yeah, I mean, the, even with the climate movement, it's still very much in the place of, oh, we just need to put pressure on the government. Like no no governments in the world are doing anything. So I don't think a change of government is going to do. I mean, the only place that's doing anything is China, which is still not doing enough. But you have to have an entire change to the political system that we have. To, to to even get any kind of substantial policies through so yeah i don't know I've, I've given up i've given up on climate change i'm hoping it is time travel and that i can jump aboard at some point oh with the uh, with the extraterrestrials yeah. although if it Not is another dimension i don't mind skipping skipping dimensions either that'll be all right just get get me out of this dimension yeah yeah well i imagine that time travel leaves quite a hefty carbon footprint Oh really? <laughs> well, apparently there's no um, emissions or whatever from, or not emissions, but um, that would be implied 
from these ships. They don't have any uh, propulsion. Oh, yeah. So um, presumably they're carbon neutral. I don't know. There's, it's a good point. Yeah. Are UAPs, um, are they environmentally friendly? Well, can't we go down into the hollow earth? Uh, amongst those people the, the video i always see is they're like tall nordic blonde people that live in the center of the earth i yeah. don't know if, if you if that's the one that you get yeah well i mean i don't know if there's a great deal of scientific <laughs> and specific evidence uh about the hollow earth i i'm just saying it's a theory and uh if there are mysterious things flying around we don't really know where they're from, do we? So are they, and they could well be something to do with the bottom of the oceans and, and, and stuff like that, weird creatures and whatnot. Um, or just <laughs> things we just don't understand. Yeah, that's the thing. We don't understand it. And I think we live in a time... I'm hoping we're coming to more of a, a realisation about that. I think there was a... Definitely before the pandemic, there was a feeling... It's, there's generally a feeling, right, that, that science uh, has this sort of total knowledge. And the reason that anything, uh, it's like when you go to the doctor, nine times out of 10, they say they don't know actually what's going on. And that's always a surprise. So, well, why should they know? Science is developing, yeah, but we don't know everything. I don't know why there's this, this assumption that, we, that we've got a handle on how the body works, how the universe works, how time travel works, how viruses work. You know, it's, it's like, it is, it's an ongoing thing. And I think it's partly because the mix, I mean, there's a, this is often talked about the mixture of kind of um, how science, a lot of science is done in the private sector or done for private companies to, you know, use, to utilize. Um, and there's a lot of talk about the complications of that. But one of them that isn't talked about so much is that as a private company, uh, basically you're trying to sell um, your position in the strongest terms possible, which is that, you know, 100% guaranteed to work or you know you know it, it beats 90% of whatever and it's like all, all science is is when you do something and it happens uh, and you do it again and it also happens you uh you can you can accumulate data on that and you can have a kind of probability of it happening again that's all that it is it's just accumulation of data it's, there's not really much understanding about why anything is happening so one of the, you know one of the things with with private companies that sell products that are sort of based on particularly new new emerging sciences is that it it is experimental it's always experimental but then they're, they're not able to say that because particularly with the legal framework they want it to be ironclad they want to be like well we you know they want and and so they need the science to say you know so that they can't get sued that it is 100% whatever Right. So there's a real push for the scientific community to say this absolutely works. Uh, and this, and this are, you coming, always... are you coming around to the anti-vaxxer position then, Daniel? <laughs> um, no, I'm just explaining it. I'm explaining um, that the I'm explaining the anti-vaxxer position. I totally disagree with it, but I can explain it incredibly well and it all makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you 100 percent agree with it by all logical means. But politically, you I'm against say it. that you do <laughs> because it wouldn't look good. <laughs> <laughs> right something like that yeah <laughs> um but anyway the vaccine stuff i mean jonathan cook i don't know if you follow jonathan cook's blog his latest one is i know about, jonathan cook yeah he's great 
his latest blog is about excess deaths uh, in the Western world. Oh, um, I missed yeah. that one. Yeah, check it out. Um, he, he talks about vaccines in that as well. I'll leave it at that. With vaccines, it's like- Is he, is he anti-vax anti type, um, Jonathan? I've never spoken to him about that, but- No, he's he's looking at the data as it's un un unraveling. <laughs> you're definitely coming out as an anti-vaxxer, Daniel. <laughs> it's, you're still a little way away, but you're- you're just creeping towards. I'm just telling. I'm just telling you what, what Jonathan Cook has written in his blog, and you can go and look at it yourself. Yeah. Um, what? What? Judge, judge by yourself. Do your own research. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> you're right on the. Don't cusp. do your you're own right research. On the cusp. Leave it to the experts. Shut up. Uh, well, uh, let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on to a, a much more uh, uncontroversial topic. Uh, Nigel Farage's bank account. Oh, um, yeah. Yes. And Dan Wooton also. It's quite funny now at GB News, <laughs> like the main news story. So the main presenters like Dan Wooton and Nigel Farage, and the main news story is themselves. So they're mm. just... Yeah, well, the same thing own. happened with Hugh Edwards and also even George Alagaya. Well, even died. Hugh Edwards had the dignity of not turning up to present the 10 o'clock news about <laughs> Hugh Edwards. That would have been quite a scene, wouldn't it? I mean, the BBC are very proud of the fact they love it when the BBC is the top story because then BBC News, we have such critical distance. Mm. And they always said, and the BBC replied, we're not the BBC. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but they weren't. It was so funny because during the Hugh Edwards thing, there was this thing on, I think it was Newsnight. They were saying, uh, they're they all BBC journalists in a BBC studio reporting on the BBC story saying, um, we've been unable to find out uh, who the leak is. I oh, someone leaked it, that. didn't they? To the, they leaked the story to the Sun, but the BBC itself could never find out who that leaker was. That's right, yeah, yeah. Even though it was for someone in the BBC and they... <laughs> Even though it was one of the people on the screen, one of the three people <laughs> in the office at that Maybe time. Maybe it was Hugh Edwards himself, I don't know. But then that, the Nigel Farage bank account thing is interesting because Nigel Farage is complaining that Coots Bank, which is mm. this ridiculous... Uh, bank for millionaires wouldn't give him um a bank account which is fair enough but at the very same time or well a few weeks ago uh, a story came back in the u.s media which um it's from a few years ago now uh, i'm calling it cake gate i don't know if it was ever called that but do you remember when um a homophobe wouldn't give uh, a homosexual a cake do you remember that i do remember that i, I, don't, I don't know if it was quite that a homophobe wouldn't give a homosexual a cake. <laughs> That's a very reductive way of, a misleading way. If anyone's new to this story, no one was forcing a homophobe to give a cake to someone who is homosexual. But I, <laughs> I think everyone, most people are going to know what that story is. Yes, I remember that. Um, I, I actually, I've twisted it in my mind. You have twisted it. That, 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 I actually don't remember what it, Specifically, it was one. whether whether you, someone was uh, a cake company was asked if they would decorate a cake. That's right. Yeah. Um, to celebrate a homosexual union, I think, um, and uh, and and they said no, um, on the grounds that it's their right to as a private business to to not do that. But I think they I think they lost that case. And um, but I believe that now it's been overturned, or it's at least come back. Oh right. Okay. Um, the higher levels of the American legal system. 
And there's some sort of, yes, the distinction, and it is crucial distinction that, well, they think it's a crucial distinction, that if you are, it's like an artistic practice, right? You, if you are, it's like forcing you to, to do a painting of something you don't want to do a painting of, uh, which is, yes. Yeah. And, and so, I, you know, arguably it's the same thing. You, you have to decorate a cake. Um, so you're putting your own artistic kind of... You're pudding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, yeah, it was. No, you did that deliberately, didn't you? Because you're great at presenting. I should have been funny way. If it was great, I would have been quicker off the mark. <laughs> being like, yes. Yeah, so I don't know. It's, move on. it's a difficult uh, one, isn't it? That I, I don't know where I'd stand on that uh, on this. But uh, well, what do you think? Opinion-based um, show that you've got running here. I don't do you think? Know. Let me ask you this: Do you think that a bank should be allowed to choose who banks with it? Well, it certainly seems. Just my impression is that I think there's a different thing, cakes and um, art, uh, cakes and art. Maybe there's more ambiguity about what you should and shouldn't be. But with a bank, surely you've, anyone should be able to have a bank account. Well, um, it is a bit strange because it has been twisted. Uh, Nigel Farage has a bank account. He has a current account with NatWest, or he's been given one now that he's been chucked off Coots. Uh, most people don't have a special Coots. I don't really know what the special thing is about the Coots bank account, but most people don't have that and aren't able to get that. Uh, the, from what I understand, he did fall below the threshold, which I think is like a million pounds or something, mm. um, which is the the basic thing to have a Coots bank account. He did fall below that. Uh, so surely that's enough. Are you saying but that Nigel Farage has made himself out to be a victim without really having sufficient evidence to... No, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not saying anything. I, you know me. I don't say any. I just, I just say some things that other people have said. Selectively, I say things I've heard and don't say other things. But I have no opinions of my own. Well, I haven't, um, fa- I haven't fact checked that, but um, it would seem consistent with Nigel Farage's <laughs> character that we've known in this country for a very long time that he makes a fuss about stuff. To make himself. Well, I don't know. It's the, it's the biggest like story. Is the biggest story. A bad time when he hasn't really. Well, they 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 did definitely talk about his political. There was some leak about him. People up in Coots were aware, obviously, of his political positions and didn't like it. And apparently, that did influence the decision, mm. which makes it sounds like the, their threshold of a million pounds is arbitrary. They actually don't apply it to everybody if they like. Yeah, someone. yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. a bigger problem at Coots than than just Nigel Farage. Yeah, but I just think I, it's I do think that like. Everyone has rights, and, and even though Nigel Farage is a divisive figure, and um, you know, I, I, I don't think I think I think we should be absolutely clear on people's freedom to have all the usual things in society, um, like a cake. Cake. Well, but the, I, I don't know. That's a different one, isn't it? Because that's if do I have the right to make someone make me a cake? Um, I don't, no, I, I do. I do agree. It's different. I just think it's interesting that the the push. So there's the, the other. Also, a bank account is a fundamental thing. Like you, it, it's a, it's not quite as important as say water or whatever. But you really do in a modern society. You pretty much would be on the street if you didn't have a bank account. He does have a bank account. He does have a NatWest account, so it's a bit like. And also, I been given preferential treatment. At I don't know what. Toy shop. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what he said. Uh, what his official statement is about um, refugees and stuff, but it is incredibly difficult to get a bank account in this country if you don't have a permanent address and things like that. And they, that those laws could be changed. It could be easier to get a bank account um, for homeless people, things like that. 
I don't know where Nigel Farage stands on that. Uh, he certainly isn't um, a champion of, of changing those laws. That he, you, you know, he seems to be much more interested in lot, his own, never mentioned it. in his own problem there than yeah. anyone else's. And you know what? What a surprise! I mean, no, I just want to mention though because it has become this. Like, what, what is? I read the uh, Evening Standard and they called it a war on woke bust up. That's what they're talking about. Because the idea is that the bank is 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 it's got a woke agenda because they disagree with Nigel Farage politically, which um it's interesting. They, they've that, backed down, haven't they? Yeah, they have backed down. There's not a war. <laughs> yeah, that's There's someone not being allowed. You could, uh, you know, Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine and Russia could learn from that, you know. <laughs> Who could learn <laughs> from it? Ukraine. Just just calmly back, you know, we'll just we'll just de-escalate. Yeah. We don't have to have a war on woke. But, but the way that woke is used in this context is, um, well, it's almost meaningless. It becomes, it's a factional thing. Now, I think there is some problems with woke, uh, um, it, <laughs> depending on, on your de the way that you define it. Mm. Um, but in terms of, I would say, you know, the hypersensitivity around language, that kind of thing. But the way that it's used here is basically, it just means kind of against your faction, right? Because... What does woke mean in the cake gate situation? There, it's it's the problem. It's too inclusive. It's forcing people to do things to be sort of openly inclusive. Whereas here, it's be because of their woke agenda, they're being exclusive. They're excluding people that don't agree with their agenda. So it's like w w woke doesn't have a kind of actual sort of ideological meaning here. It simply means that you're on one side of the culture war. They talk about like it's like. The, the woke are, um, you know, authoritarian and the woke of this and the woke of that. When the idea would surely be that the woke are against authoritarianism, if anything. Um, I don't know. I just find it really interesting. Now, I think it all depends on definitions, doesn't it? Like, um, I, I think I'm very much against authoritarianism, uh, whatever kind of authoritarianism it is. And I think most people who subscribe to uh, what might be labelled the the woke left would say that it's not authoritarian, that it's all about community and all that kind of thing. No. But then, you know, other people would would uh, would disagree with that. Uh, I, so, so I think the language is is so divisive. We can't even agree really on what the definitions are of things. So it becomes a little bit. Um, it, as soon as you use the word woke, it's it's, it's already it's just dropping a um, a hot coal into a uh, into a haystack. Um, so to me, I think it's it's more useful generally to talk in terms of um, uh, authoritarianism, for example, left and right, authoritarian yeah. and libertarian, just the classic, straightforward, um, the old fashioned um, uh, spectrum uh, of political beliefs. Uh, and then you get away from these buzzwords and things that are all divisive and don't necessarily and mean very different things to different people. Well, that's the thing. I think it's what woke is really great in the way that it's. I mean, I'd say used by both sides. Although I do feel slightly sympathetic to the left because it was initially a, a sort of positive idea of just uh, people that would use it thought it was positive, and you could and it had a meaning of being more uh, aware of, of of a sort of. Um, different uh identities comes from identity politics right um different identities have a 
a different perspective and and some voices are silenced and, and we should be sensitive to that now you can have criticisms of that but it's at least like a solid idea about uh, a problem in society and this is their take on it the way that it's used uh, by the right predominantly um again i, I don't want to be too harsh uh on this because i think there are some issues with woke and so you, you should, or, or, or that idea of woke and having a criticism of it's fine and using the word woke but the, what uh, to 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 name that particular idea and then criticize it is fine, but it, it's so often, in fact, mostly used now, um, si simply because it's so flexible, because it's 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 basically has no particular meaning, uh, and what you and therefore it just it, the the listener or viewer or whatever can can choose what they want to take from that. So you you can just sort of say, oh well, we know the woke agenda. It's a million things that yeah. could possibly be the woke agenda. And anybody uh, watching that will take it. Oh, I, they mean what I hate about wokeness. And so in that regard, yeah, it's it's ve very annoying term, but very useful. And you can see why it's being used. It, a lot. It, yeah, I, I don't know how useful it is because it's a um, I think well, useful for people. It's, it's that like just a tabloid wanna... term. It's, yeah. um, it's an it, it's an inflammatory term. It's a tabloid term. It's an evocative term. Um, and it's uh, it's it's a it's a term that gets attention um, and it's good for discussions. But I think it's good rhetorically. But I think because no one actually agrees on the definition. Yeah, um, I think that that basically means that you can't. It's just going to be an endless cycle of discussion about that. And but I think very, the other thing is that. Yeah, it's just very good rhetorically for people that want to be uh, you, you, you want to be popular with a large group of people because people could just take from it what they want. But you're not actually promising anything like, oh, we're going to end the woke agenda. And you go, yeah. oh yeah, I'll vote for that. Yeah, okay. And then you've got you, you you're not tied down to doing anything at all. It's like Brexit. It's yes, yeah, it's like was. the bureaucrats in Brussels. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's, it's a phantom, um, but that doesn't mean that there's nothing to it. And I think that you know, left and right are allowed, as with all political terminology, are allowed. What is this Matthew Alford allowing us on the left and the right? And the, the well, whole... no, I, I I just mean I, th I think society as a whole, going back philosophically. I think it's commonly accepted that we are allowed to um, define and redefine what terms mean. Um, the the uh, meaning of words changes a bit over time. So I don't think there's anything wrong with the right, to, you know, redefining what that's true. Woke, yeah, what woke is. But at the same time, what I'm saying is that if you've got the right having one definition that is diametrically opposed to what the original definition is, um, or at least is so transmogrified from that, that no one really agrees, then why don't we just go back to the original and much more accepted um, traditional uh, language that we've used, which is left and right, authoritarian and libertarian. That's yeah. And woke is just put in there <laughs> yeah, just to, do, just to know, stir you know, up things. The, the political compass, yeah, yeah. That's what, you know, the political compass, and then there should just be this like massive circle over the whole thing that says woke. <laughs> yeah, well, but but it could be, couldn't it? It could be a big blob that's yeah, just yeah, over the, an amorphous blob because <laughs> that that Some sort uh, of and it can mean rack. anything to anyone. It's tab it's tabloid style. Yeah, it's what Piers Morgan does, isn't it? And and uh, Piers Morgan, I, his his actual politics probably aren't that bad, for example. Like he's probably fine. Uh, but he I knows mean, how to imagine. make a massive <laughs> explosion at the start of a show because it attracts. Uh, I want to know um, 
Because Piers Morgan was arguing about uh, Ukraine the other day, and it's interesting because he's yeah. uh, he's quite a sort of fan of Trump or was quite sympathetic yeah. to Trump in some regards. And I don't know what his relationship is with Tucker Carlson, but I imagine they're on amicable terms. But because of uh, there's obviously a right wing, particularly the Trumpian sort of anti-establishment critique of the war in Ukraine. That's very. That's kind of split some of the the more kind of right leaning, anti-establishment UK voices, which have stuck very much with the Ukraine line of the government. It's it, there. There is is more interesting what's going on in the US. I was also thinking about why that is, and I think there is uh, one of the elements is that, um, yeah, there is obviously a a, a strong sort of populist national uh, nationalist um, sort of tangent of of the republican party which trump has 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 gone in with and that really works with someone like putin and and having a strong man leader and having and and nationalism being um so you can there can be this sort of uh shallow agreement about the ukrainian war but it comes from a very different perspective which is that putin has every right as as a leader of a superpower of a, of a nuclear armed power you know state to uh flex its muscles yeah and uh that's what we should do in the us we should have a leader like him and we should do the same sort of thing rather than a sort of more internationalist sort of idea about what's going on which comes from the left uh, i just thought that would be worth mentioning because i think uh i see a lot of stuff online of because both seem to have well, both are, are drawn as having sympathies with, with Putin, which is not true, but certainly want to see de-escalation in Ukraine and they want to see more weapons being, fun, you know, funneled in there. That there is this kind of superficial, oh, the, you know, horseshoe theory, the left and the right are the same. Uh, that is my one view. Everything else I said today were just things that I've read and I was just repeating. <laughs> that was my own thought that I had. Um, yeah, i yeah, certainly in, in terms of being an anti part of a kind of anti-war uh, movement or peace movement, um, the Trump people are not going to be very reliable on, on that score. But they might, you know, they might be necessary for for now, and they they might solve something. Um, well, I'm sympathetic to the Trump people because I think it's like I mean, it's 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 a bad politics in some way, but it's difficult to get good information isn't it and and someone like trump turns up on tv and says some pretty common sense things about the us and and and, and the state of the world and yeah because there's no there's no mainstream rebuff to that then yeah yeah obviously you've just got the pro-war democrats versus an anti-war republican it's a tough place to be mm, yeah it certainly is um i think yeah one of the other things that trump often leads on is um uh, how Europe isn't paying anything to this war, which sort of <laughs> implies well, that if well, they were, well, then he might be more behind it. But <laughs> uh, we're not paying. We're not paying for this. Yeah, I think we're yeah we're paying in very different ways. Um, paying through. Yeah, I'm paying, paying individually through my electricity bill. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, but I, th I think his argument is a very narrow. Or at least what he leads on, and it might well be because he knows it will play better with his base, is that um, that Europe isn't actually stumping up the cash and stumping up the uh, the weapons 
to uh, to provide to Ukraine. So he's like, well, should, we shouldn't do that. But it's just the same thing he used to say about. Um, uh, we just, about... I mean, I mean, that, 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 the, 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 so if Europe was paying its fair share, he'd be all up for it. He might be up it's for it. Kind of but, like, but I don't you... think he, w- I don't think he no. would be because I think Trump is actually on this issue is not uh, uh, is, is not, not crazy. No. I think he's yeah. all right. But he, it's interesting he, that he, he leans on the, the money. Yeah. Um, because he knows that that's the easier way, I think, to, to bring his base along with him. Because if he starts saying, we should really have a lot of compassion for a lot of these people. No, no, that's definitely <laughs> a lot of A lot of his base is going to be like, nah, whatever. Um, the, the, lead the, the with money, the money. The money is important as well. Like, why are America spending so much money on that? Um, and still, you know, and the same in this country, looking at to, to keep the austerity agenda. Which yeah, is, I mean, I don't know how much... Um, I'm trying to remember how much the the costs are now, but um, I did look it up the other day. But you know, we're talking a few billion, um, which is obviously significant. But it's, you know, the, the the war in Ukraine is not going to bankrupt any of our countries in terms of what we spend on it. But the, the reason it's going to screw us up and is screwing us up um, across Europe is because of the um, the consequences of that war in terms of yeah, but they not, not being able to get it? food. From... But ironically, they use it as an excuse, partly as an excuse for why the economy is so bad and why we can't spend even small amounts of money like yeah, two yeah. child benefit. Like it, it, it costs as much as that. It's the same with Israel. Like the US, um, what the beginning of the year or last year, they passed the bill as they do every year to, to spend whatever it is, five billion or ten billion. They've got like a standard amount that they always send to Israel, which goes directly to the arms industry, to the Israeli military. And they do that regardless of the state of the US economy and regardless of what um things uh local programs they're cutting or not. It, it yeah. doesn't matter, yeah. right? And it's yeah. just like yeah. those sort of standard transactions. Um, you fund the war in Ukraine, you always give money to, to places like Israel. It's like uh, speaking of Trump though, he doesn't question that one. Interestingly enough, he's all no, for uh, saving no. money in Ukraine, but not in Israel, uh, no. unsurprisingly. Uh, anyway, um, that's that, that's probably is that being an hour? What do you think? I should, uh, yeah, we've done about an hour and five minutes. Okay, fantastic. Um, yeah, read Jonathan Cook's blog. Just yeah, I'll it. take a look at that. Just yeah, the death one. Just have a little look at it. <laughs> <laughs> Just have a little. Yeah, read. all right. I'll follow your <laughs> link. Go on. Send me a bunch of other. Well, at least you've heard of Jonathan Cook. The thing is, like, you send that. Most it's like such a sort of uh, amateur-looking blog. He's like, "Hey, have you have you seen this about uh, excess deaths in Europe from this blog (laughs) that looks like someone's made in the basement?" And never heard of Jonathan Cook before. Yeah, it doesn't. Jonathan Cook's great. He is very good. Anyone listening? Uh, He's he's a solid journalist. Left the Guardian because they weren't cool enough. Yeah, no, he's been brilliant reporter on Palestine for many years. He reported on the anti-Semitism scandal in the Labour Party very well. Uh, he generally has good takes. He generally comes to it a little bit later, um, after the dust has settled a bit, and then writes a really comprehensive... Yeah, I, 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 I've spoken to him a little bit about this, and his his point is basically that he's he always makes sure that he's totally, absolutely certain. Um, and so that's, maybe that does mean that he... Uh, comes to stories slightly later but it means right. that he's always a hundred percent right about everything i think we should all be coming to stories a bit later yeah read the kind of you know bullshit that comes out on a daily basis you know the the, the talking heads the interviews the the footage that you see mm. of, of events around the world but yeah just uh leave it 
don't jump to these conclusions straight away about what's actually going on or ever i mean if you you know some of these you start reading about the sort of conspiracy theories where things don't come out for 30 years and you think well this 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 has come out after 30 years i'm I'm talking about like um the gladio project or whatever oh right you mean the the stay behind soldiers yeah yeah and that comes out again it's this idea of total knowledge it's like we have a total understanding of history and, and everything that's going on. And then something massive comes out that we didn't know, like the earth's hollow and it's full of like blonde Nordic people. But mm-hmm. then as soon as that happens, like, Oh, okay. Now we know everything. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, it was, maybe there's even more, even more to it. As, as, as I can't remember if we've discussed it before, but um, I, we've had that to some extent with the, um, uh, the material we've found about the uh, CIA and Department of Defense interference with uh, Hollywood film scripts. I've had several comments over the years uh, where people have said, oh, yeah, well, we've, I've always known that. It's like, yeah. we, no, you didn't, because literally we just got the first documents about this and it's been covered up by um, people within academia and by the Department of Defense and by the intelligence services for about 40 years well, yeah, <laughs> we've like just Edward, got it this is the document Edward but people like to feel in control um yeah they like well, to say oh you already knew that it is and and it's impossible to act if you don't you do have to have a bit of faith that because you basically you can't act otherwise you can't you can't I mean, why even vote you can never really yeah. understand um why join a protest why open your mouth uh, because yeah, like Edward Snowden, the same thing. Like suddenly, this big NSA spying network comes back. Oh, I can't believe the NSA were doing that, but now we know. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, that's just one government agency. That's just one leak. You know, mm-hmm. uh, all of the other people at the NSA decided not to leak, and then mm-hmm. another agency, maybe nobody's decided to leak yet. So who mm-hmm. knows what else is going on? Yeah. Mm. Anyway. Let's finish this podcast. Thank you, Matt, for... Pleasure uh, to be here. Thanks very much. Bye. Oh, thank you, Matt. What a pleasure. Yeah, if you like uh, this or uh, if you didn't even like it, maybe still go to the YouTube channel, Complaints on Play, check out got other videos, uh, and there is obviously the rest of this podcast. Uh, yeah, all right. Bye.